Well, good day and welcome to another edition, uh, should I say another episode of In-Depth Sport with Femighty Podcast. My name is Femighty. Welcome to the second episode. I think this is the second episode of our podcast. Now, today we've got so much to talk about. As you know, today is Friday. It's the start of the weekend. Uh, so there is so much to look forward to coming from the weekend. Uh, we're talking about games, actions. Uh, as you know, in the German Bundesliga, games still continue. And uh, we've got one of the games uh, of uh, the weekend, one of the games we're looking forward to tomorrow afternoon by 2.30 p.m. Bayer Leverkusen hosting Bayern Munich. Uh, due to the form of both teams, uh, since the restart, Bayer Leverkusen just losing one game. Not losing any game. I don't think they lost any game. Okay, yeah. Bayer Leverkusen losing one game uh, since the restart. And Bayern Munich was still blowing a 100% record, including a win over Borussia Dortmund. This one promises to be one of the feisty ones. And of course, we've got also news coming from uh, the EPL. Uh, project restarts continues. Uh, today, uh, fixtures were released. The first three day uh, the first three match day feature fixtures were released the time time date full details so it's happening project restart in the premier league is happening and of course also uh, we talk about a basketball well for a while now we haven't had anything concrete to talk about basketball but yesterday well the club owners actually the club governors a board of governors as they usually call them the nba board of governors approved uh, the uh, the proposal of resuming, or should I say restarting, uh, the NBA on the 31st of July. And also that not everyone, not every team should restart. Only teams who are mathematically still able to qualify for the playoffs should restart. So with that, 22 teams have been selected to restart on the 31st of July. We also give you update concerning that. And of course, we also talk about uh, our transfer window. As you know, Chelsea. Well, Chelsea have just uh, agreed deal in principle to sign Timo Werner. How does Timo Werner fit into a Chelsea team? Well, I'll get to uh, try to analyze uh, some of those things. And why did, Chelsea, why did he not end up at Liverpool? What happened? What are the inside stories of why he did not end up at Liverpool? What are the inside stories of how Manchester United pulled out of talks. We'll get to hear all of that today. And of course, we've got one news coming from the Nigerian scene. Well, Odion Judigalu says he, he may be returning back to the Super Eagles of Nigeria. Why did he say that? Why did he leave in the first place? Does this move make sense? All of these things and more we get to talk about on uh, this episode of In The Sports. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Okay, so on this edition, we, talk, we start from other sports. And of course, we start with the NBA, where yesterday, well, uh, all the 30 uh, board of governors, uh, club owners, or uh, call club chief executives in the NBA voted uh, for the restart of uh, the uh, NBA season. And of course, well, the vote was unanimous. I mean, it was 29 votes to one. 29 clubs out of 30, 29 club owners or board of governor members out of 30 voted for uh, the restart of uh, the NBA on the 31st of July. Only one uh, person voted against. So it was a unanimous vote. And of course, there has been a timeline in, uh, released. But just so you know, 
the NBA season resume on the twenty on the thirty first of uh, July, uh, but um, activities will already begin uh, from June. I'll tell you how those activities will go and how they will unfold. But the fact is, right now, twenty two teams, only twenty two teams, would actually resume the NBA season, and they are only the only twenty two teams that are mathematically still in the race to actually qualify for the playoffs. Okay, let's tell you that training camp actually resumes from thirtieth of June. At the 7th of July. On the 7th of July, everyone from their several training camps, all the 22 teams from their several training camps, will move to Orlando. Uh, Disney World is the venue. Every game will be played at Disney World at the same, uh, 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 at the same uh, venue. Uh, and also, uh, on the... Well, so... Basically, they travel to Disney World on the 7th of July and, uh, well, uh, the season kicks off once again, or should I say continues, on the 31st of July. According to reports, well, they are working on ending the season uh, before uh, 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 September because they are looking to open the free agency, that's the transfer world in the NBA. They are open, open to open the free agency on the 18th of uh, of, of, of October and uh, well the NBA draft uh, is to be held on the 15th of October so everything is looking set it looks like uh, well the NBA is set to continue but of course as I said earlier only 22 teams are set to resume so uh, quickly let's move on to who do uh, the teams the eight teams that for them the season is over there are eight teams in the NBA right now that the 20 uh, 20 season is over for. Let's quickly talk about those teams. Uh, well, uh, of course, uh, some of them are the teams we already know who are struggling, like New York Knicks. New York Knicks, for them, the season is over. Uh, they are not to resume. Uh, also, Golden State Warriors. I think Golden State Warriors are even uh, bottom of uh, the NBA table right now. Uh, the season is also over for them. Atlanta Hawks, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets. For all these teams, uh, the season is over for them because there is no mathematical path uh, for them uh, to actually qualify anymore for uh, the, uh, uh, the for the playoffs. So moving quickly away from that, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, let's talk about uh, 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 let's leave the NBA and of course let's talk about some football stories. We we'll start from the Nigerian scene, and this is one that we need a little bit of analysis now. Odion Judy Gallo yesterday uh, was speaking uh, to a journalist on uh, a radio station in Lagos, Nigeria. For those who are listening from outside the country, and he reiterated. Uh, that uh, he may be coming out of retirement and coming back into the Super Eagles fold. Now, let's not uh, let's just cast our mind back a little bit. Odion Judicalo actually retired uh, from uh, the Super Eagles of Nigeria. He announced his retirement from uh, the international, from national football, from international football uh, in the summer of 2019 after the African Cup of Nations uh, in Egypt, where uh, the Super Eagles of Nigeria ended with a bronze medal. They won the top place game against Tunisia and ended with a bronze medal. He even scored the goal in that particular top place game. Now, 
this is not the first time the audience Judy Gallo will talk about retirement. Uh, this is definitely not the first time. After the 2018 World Cup, uh, the his miss against Argentina angered Nigerian fans, and they did some things, threatened him and his family, and he felt well he couldn't. He, he has he had had it enough. Uh, and at that time, he talked about retirement, but a couple of persons he respects actually uh, talked him out of it. But after the 2019 uh, FIFA World Cup, there was no going back. He was going to retire, and he officially um, announced his retirement after that tournament. But the fact is, uh, let, let's talk about analysis, but let, let me quickly say what he said. He said, well, uh, the fact is, he left the national team because of distance between Nigeria and China. So, against some thoughts by some Nigerians that Odoni Gallo actually left the national team because he was tired of Nigerians cursing him because uh, whenever he misses goals or something, they said, no, uh, it was taking him a lot to actually leave China and come back here to Nigeria to play for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. The distance between China and Nigeria was too much for him. That was why he left the Super Eagles of Nigeria in the first place. But now, he has moved to Manchester United and he's going to be in Manchester till next year, January. That's January 2021. And of course, we know that uh, Great Britain, UK to Nigeria is just about a six-hour flight, which is very, very close. Uh, so, it feels like, well, maybe the conditions are okay now for him uh, to come back into the Super Eagles fold. Well, the fact is just 30 years of age. So far, he has scored 16 goals in 35 appearances for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. That was before his retirement. But the fact is this, uh, the only problem that I've got with this is that, well, unfortunately for him, the Super Eagles of Nigeria sort of have moved on. That's the only issue I've got with it. The Super Eagles of Nigeria have moved on. Of course, they have moved on with one of the hottest strikers uh, right now in the world, and that is Victor Osime. Before he retired, Victor Osime was the guy that was understudying him, sitting on the bench for him, trying, waiting for his chance. But since Gallo's retirement last summer, everything just coincided or should I say work together for Siemens' favor? Number one, he moved to Lille where he was able to shine like a million star. And the absence of Igalu also helped him become the first choice striker for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. And he also took on another responsibility of Igalu, which is taking penalties for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. So far, well, he has done well. Sorry about that. The bed just rose up a little bit there. But then... Funny enough, he has done well in both being the striker, being the uh, uh, penalty taker. So I honestly don't see any reason why, uh, unless Igalo would accept coming into the Super Eagles of Nigeria to come and play second fiddle to Osime. Because the fact is, right now, Osime is hot. And one thing a coach knows is that you don't put a striker in form on the bench. That was why I said everything worked together for good for, for Osime. Because as at the time where he's... Career was about to pick up. That was when Igalo, uh, Igalo retired. So he was doing it on both fronts. He was doing it for Lille. He was doing it for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. And it helped his consistency a lot. Osime is doing very well for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. I don't believe for anything that it will help the Super Eagles of Nigeria to bring Igalo back into the fold and put him on the bench. And whereas... We have we have found the we have found in Osime. For me, we have found in Osime what 
but we were not able to find in Igalo. What am I talking about? Igalo is a poacher. I've always said it. Igalo, there are two types of strikers. We've got the striker and we've got the poacher. Or should I say there are two types of forwards. We've got the striker and we've got the poacher. Igalo is a poacher, but he's not a striker. A striker is Didier Drogba. A striker is uh, Fernando Torres. A striker will battle. A striker will, a striker will battle it. I'll slug it out with you. He, he, he will not just lay down. A poacher is just, you know, one uh, before now, I used to have good examples of poachers and that's Filippo Inzaghi, Chicharito. They are not the feisty ones. They are not the uh, macho ones. They are just the intellectually, they will be where the ball will end up. They will not struggle with the defender. Most of them, oh my God, this bed again. Okay. Most of them end up actually uh, scoring tappings because they read the game. They don't play with strength. They read the game and, and if you look at it, Igalo's first goal for Manchester United was a tap-in because you read the game and be where the ball will end up. That is Igalo. Manchester, uh, Nigeria as a country, where they've enjoyed Igalo's being, Igalo being a poacher and all that. But now they are beginning to embrace the striking ability of Sime. Sime is a warrior. He's, he's a man that is in defenders' faces. 90 minutes every time he's on the pitch. So I think, and moreover, one of the moves to replace uh, Igalo was bringing Cyril Dessas, one of the joint, uh, the joint top scorer in the, uh, the joint top scorer in the RDVC uh, last season. Cyril Dessas was invited for the first time in March. Unfortunately, it was around that time that um, COVID-19 came in. So the Cyril Dessas uh, would not be, could not actually make his debut for the Spikers of Nigeria. So the fact is, what happens to Cyril Dessas then? That's the man that was brought in to replace uh, uh, to replace uh, Oden Igalo. So for me, yeah, from Igalo's point of view, I feel, um, well, you could say um, he wants to come out of retirement. Yeah, it could be good. But for the Spikers of Nigeria, I think it would bring a lot of complications, big complications, uh, because the smell is the form. And Nigeria, as we know, we only play with just one striker since like since like 2004, 2005, or oh, since uh, Yakuba and Obafemi and Martins played together as eight and nine. Nigeria has been playing with one striker, a 4-3-3 formation, one defensive midfielder, or at most two defensive midfielder, one attacking midfielder. Uh, oh my God, this. This bed again. Okay, uh, two attacking midfielders, or one attacking midfielder, two wingers, and one striker. That's how Nigeria plays. Well, with that, I can say that, well, well, uh, Victor Sime or Igalo, who would you go for? Maybe it's a question I should ask you. Right now, both are available for the Super Eagles of Nigeria, Victor Sime or John Jude Igalo. Both of them are in blistering form now, no doubt. One of them scoring goals for their clubs. Who would you go for? Who would you advise Genotro to go for if Odeonju Digalo becomes available for Nigeria again? But of course, that's where I have to hinge it on that because we've got to move on quickly. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's still so much to talk about and time is not our friend. So, okay, what we're going to do right about now is... um. We're going to leave uh, the Nigerian scene uh, after that Igalo story. And of course, we're going to actually uh, go straight to Europe and of course, talk about uh, some stories coming from the EPL. Okay, let's talk about the EPL right now. And talking about the EPL, uh, well, uh, I, I would like to actually talk about um, the fixtures that were released today. Earlier today, well, the fixtures uh, for uh, the Premier League were released. The first three match day fixtures. Of course, uh, it's no longer news that 17th and even the time. Yeah, the one thing we had 
some of us had the fixture before now, but we couldn't figure out the time. For example, some of us already knew that Aston Villa, they were going to start the restart. They were, they were going to restart with Aston Villa, Sheffield United on Wednesday 17th, and Manchester City Arsenal also that same day. But we didn't have the time. Uh, we knew that both games were going to go down that day, but we didn't have the time. We didn't know if... Um, it was going to be concurrently, if it was going to be different times. So we needed that. And today, well, there were confirmed fixtures of at least the first three match days. So uh, quickly, uh, I'm going to uh, give you the fixtures uh, starting from Wednesday, 17th June. And I can tell you that uh, talking about fixtures starting from Wednesday, 17th June, uh, well, uh, uh, it will start with the Premier League, ladies and gentlemen, would actually restart with Aston Villa against Sheffield United at the Via Park. That game is set to go down on Wednesday, 17 June by 6 p.m. Nigerian time. And of course, it also happens to be UK time, just in case uh, you are listening from UK. And uh, later that night, almost immediately after the game between Aston Villa and Sheffield United, we'll go straight to the um, Etihad Stadium by 15 minutes past Eight. That's 8.15 p.m. where Manchester City would take on Arsenal. And uh, quickly, uh, on the on Friday 19th of June, that's two days after Wednesday 17th when it begins, there will be two fixtures also. And we've got uh, a Norwich City by 6 p.m. Now, games will start by 6 p.m. Uh, on midweek days. You know, normally when there are midweek games in the Premier League, the earliest kickoff is 7.45 or 8. Now we've got 6 p.m. kickoffs so we can space... Uh, the time between the games. So, uh, Norwich City against Southampton on Friday 19th June by 6pm. And then 8.15, we've got Spurs against Manchester United. This is a fixture that has become very complicated. Now, if the fixture had happened in March, 80% chance that Manchester United would have won because the Tottenham Hotspur team was very depleted. Uh, they had Hurricane out, Son Mihin out, Steven Bergwijn out, uh, Musa Sissoko out. I mean, all the big, all the major key players uh, were out, even though Dele Ali was not doing so well. But now everyone is back. I can tell you Hurricane is back. Uh, Steven Bergwijn is back. Arison, um, Son Mihin is back from his... Um, uh, military training in South Korea. So everyone, everyone is back. So it's going to be an interesting one. And for Manchester United also, some players they would have missed are back. Marcus Rashford is back and fully fit to play. Paul Pogba is back. Everyone is looking forward to what midfield partnership Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes would strike. Uh, so probably this is the game that offers us a glimpse into what uh, is, uh, what is um, in stock in the future uh, uh, in the Manchester United midfield because probably this is the game where we get to see Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes partner for the very first time at 8.15pm on Friday, June 19th and Saturday, June 20th, game starts by 12.30pm We've got Watford at the Vicarage against Leicester City. Brighton uh, will take on Arsenal by 3 p.m. Uh, by 5.30 p.m., West Ham against Wolves. And by 7.45 p.m., we've got Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. Then on Sunday 21st, we've got Newcastle against Sheffield United uh, by 2 p.m. Uh, by 4.15, we've got Aston Villa against Chelsea and Everton against Liverpool. Some say this may be the game that gives Liverpool uh, the Premier League title. Well, if it is going to be the game that gives Liverpool to the Premier League title, I guess by 9 p.m. on Sunday, 21st night, uh, we'll know if Liverpool will be crowned the champion, the 2019-2020 champions of the EPL. Everton, the Merseyside Derby, Everton against Liverpool by 7 p.m. Uh, on Sunday, 21st. <laughs>
And talking about uh, uh, the next match day, which will start on the on Monday, 22nd of June. So it's almost like every day, you know, one match day almost runs into the other. Uh, one match day will end on the 21st, Sunday 21st, and another begins on Monday 22nd, which will involve Manchester City and Burnley. Uh, the time is 8 p.m. Nigerian time. And then um, Tuesday uh, 23rd, uh, well, we've got Leicester City against Brighton. Uh, by 6 p.m. Uh, sports against West Ham uh, by 8.15 p.m. And then the next day on Wednesday, June 24th, we've got Manchester United against Sheffield by 6 p.m. Also, we've got four other games by 6 p.m. that day. Uh, Newcastle against Aston Villa, uh, Norwich City against Everton, uh, Wolves against uh, AFC Bournemouth. And uh, by 8.15 p.m. that same night, we've got Liverpool against Crystal Palace. Some say if there is going to be a trophy presentation, this may be the game where Liverpool are presented with the Premier League trophy because if they win it in the previous game against... If they win it in the previous game against... Uh, against... Um, Everton, normally their next home game should be when the trophy will be presented to them. So eventually, if they won it uh, the previous weekend against Everton, uh, well, on Wednesday, 24th of June could be uh, the first time that, Premier, uh, that Liverpool will lay their hands on the Premier League trophy in about 30 years. So it's going to be a significant one, 8.15pm, so about 10.15pm thereabouts, the trophy presentation on celebration should actually go on. Thursday, 25th of June, we've got Burnley against Watford uh, by 6pm, South something against Arsenal uh, by 6 p.m. also, and then late game is the biggest one uh, that that day, and that will be Manchester City visiting Stamford Bridge, taking on Chelsea. I'm sure it's going to be fun, and of course, with Chelsea just buying Timo Werner, I'm sure everyone will be jostling to make sure that Timo Werner doesn't actually come to displace them. Because the funny thing about Timo Werner is, he's not exactly an out-and-out striker. I'll still get to talk about that when we get to the transfer center. He's not an out-and-out striker exactly. If you watch RB Leipzig very well, he's not the top nine. He, he, he can play as that, but he, there are so many sides to his game that just being a striker. So he could displace anyone in front. That's what I'm saying. He could displace Pulisic on the left. He could displace... Uh, months behind the striker and if Abraham doesn't step off his game well could displace Abraham too but we'll talk about that later uh, Saturday 27th of June we've got Aston Villa against Southampton Monday, 29th of June, uh, we've got um, Crystal Palace against uh, Burnley. And then Tuesday, 30th of June, we've got Brighton against Manchester United by 8.15. Uh, Wednesday, 1st of July, Arsenal will take on Norwich. Uh, Bournemouth against Newcastle by 6 p.m. Also, Everton against uh, Leicester City uh, by 6 p.m. And then by 8.15, West Ham at the London Stadium uh, will take on Chelsea. Remember, Leicester, uh, um, West Ham rather, uh, are fighting relegation right now, so they will look to actually do something about that. And the final fixture that has been released is Tuesday 2nd uh, 6 p.m. Nigerian time Sheffield United against Tottenham Hotspur and then by 8.15 Manchester City taking on Liverpool it's the hope of all Liverpool fans that before this game Liverpool would have already won and if possible lift uh, the Premier League trophy okay so that's updates coming from the EPL. I think time is really fast paint. I didn't plan for this recording to go this long, but then obviously when you start, you just find it difficult to stop and there is so much to say, basically. Uh, so uh, hence <laughs> the recording has to be this long. But then quickly, let's go to the weekend and let's talk about some German Bundesliga games that are going down this weekend. Although there's other games that will go down this weekend. For example, the Portuguese league is back. Started on Wednesday, continued yesterday and uh, would also continue tonight. But we are not talking about the German Bundesliga. We are not talking about those leagues yet. Just the German Bundesliga because after 
after all, they are the only top five league right now in action. Okay, talking about the German Bundesliga uh, going down this weekend. Well, um, it starts with ga a game tonight, and it's a game between Borussia Mönchengladbach up against uh, Freiburg. Um, bookmakers will say this should be a straight win for Borussia Mönchengladbach. And of course, uh, there's a win that could propel them uh, provisionally to the second position on the German Bundesliga table, of course, before others uh, play uh, tomorrow and on Sunday. But the fact is, Borussia Mönchengladbach right now are fourth on the table, uh, but they've got 56 points. If they win tonight, they will have 60 points. And uh, if they score enough goals, which I don't think they can, but if they score enough goals, uh, they may be able to upset Dortmund in the second position. But that will not happen because over 20 goal differences actually uh, exist between Dortmund and uh, Berlevokusin. But at least they could propel themselves at a third. Uh, that's uh, a realistic one because RB Leipzig are third right now with 58 points. So basically, uh, they could sit comfortably in the third position by the end of today. Tonight, Berlevokusin. Sorry, Borussia Mönchengladbach are taking on Freiburg. And looking at the uh, games that they've played in the past, well, uh, they've been sort of um, here and there. Uh, their first game back, they lost uh, to... Um, sorry, not their first game back, but then, uh, well, one of their games, they lost to um, Leverkusen uh, uh, at home. Uh, we didn't expect that to happen, but it happened. I think their first game back, they won against Entrang Frankfurt away from home. And, uh, uh, well, after that, of course, uh, they uh, got uh, another win. After that, they came back to winning ways after the Leverkusen uh, loss. Uh, they came back to winning ways on the 26th of May. Uh, sorry, they played out a goalless draw on the 26th of May. And then um, on the 29th, uh, that was when they came back to winning ways, winning Union Berlin by four goals to one. And since then, they've been winning. So it looks like they are in great form. And some of their uh, key players are coming back. So I guess uh, it's, it's fingers crossed for those guys. Uh, let's see uh, what they come up with. Uh, some of their goal scorers that were, should I say, uh, were missing in action for a while or were waiting to actually uh, get maybe acclimatized again to playing football regularly. Uh, they are starting to shine. Alexander Plea, they are Top nine, Marcos Turam, uh, the man who uh, runs things from the left-hand side. If you are watching Borussia Mönchengladbach, well, watch out for the player in the jets number 10. Marcos Turam is good. Last thing, and uh, well, a couple of other uh, key players, they are all looking like... the la Their last game, they look like they are firing from all cylinders, like the way I see it. Okay, leaving the game tonight alone, I think it's going to be a straight win for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Unless they somehow flop it, I think it's going to be a straight win. I think the big game tomorrow is the Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich game. Uh, these are two teams that have been in great form. Kai Havertz, uh, we're not sure how fit Kai Havertz will be uh, for the game. He got a knock in their last game. Uh, that was last week Friday where he scored the only goal uh, that secured their win. Uh, so we don't know how fit Kai Havertz. We all know how important Kai Havertz has been uh, to uh, Bayer Leverkusen, especially since the restart. Uh, since the, when the restart came in, Kevin Voland, their normal striker, was not fit. So Kai Havertz was used in the striker's position. And in four goals, in four games, he scored five goals. Uh, so 
we, we know that uh, he has scored about 60 to 70 percent of the total amount of goals that Dale Vukusen have scored uh, since the restart. Uh, so in missing and uh, missing out on their biggest game of the season, it will be a tough one for Bayer Leverkusen fans to swallow. But then, uh, see if others can step up. Kevin Voland was their striker before, uh, so I believe they should. Uh, he's still as their striker, but then he was the man that used to start in the striker's role, in the top nine role. So they, I think they should be able to, you know, depend on him for goals, actually. And then, uh, well, Entrang Frankfurt, that game, by the way, will go down by 2.30 p.m. Nigerian time. And then Entrang Frankfurt against Menzo 5, Fortuna Dusseldorf against uh, Offenheim also by 2.30 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, uh, the 6th of June. RB Leipzig against Paderborn, this is like a, a game that is, there's no need to hold because we know RB Leipzig, whatever happens, will win that game. Okay, Borussia Dortmund against Arthur Berlin will be the late kickoff game. Now, this is a dicey one. Because maybe after Berlin, before COVID-19, well, I've said, oh, this is going to be an easy one for uh, Dortmund. They're just going to ride through Arthur Berlin. But we know that we've seen Arthur, a, a different Arthur Berlin so far. Uh, 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 an Arthur Berlin uh, that have not lost any game so far since the restart. And they are scoring goals in draws. The least amount of goals they've scored in a game uh, since the restart of the German Bundesliga has been two. Unless when they played out a draw, and even when they played out a draw, they scored about they, I think they, they scored about two goals even in that game to actually end that draw. So, but Arthur Berlin is one team that honestly no one wants to meet right now. And with well, last weekend, although it was again Paderborn, the worst team in the team, uh, Borussia Dortmund showed that they could cope without Ellen Alland. I'm not sure if Ellen Alland is fit enough to play again uh, to play uh, tomorrow. But if they are going to be missing Elinaland, it means that they are going to have to find goals against Arthur Berlin uh, without their top man. So we see how they uh, get uh, used to that. And um, well, Werder Bremen uh, on Sunday against uh, Wolfsburg by 12.30 p.m. We've got Union Berlin uh, against uh, uh, Schalke 04 also by 2.30 p.m. And the final game of this weekend will be Augsburg against FC Cologne by 5 p.m. Nigerian time on Sunday evening. So quickly. Before we wrap up, wrap up on this episode of the podcast, well, let's talk about some transfer stories, shall we? Uh, let's take a look into the wider world of transfers. And of course, it's no longer news uh, that Chelsea have agreed in principle uh, deal uh, with uh, RB Leipzig. They have agreed to pay the uh, the release clause, which is about uh, 50 million euros. That equals to about 40, uh, 55 million euros, pardon me. Uh, that it cost about 49 million pounds, 45.96 million pounds, uh, British money. They have agreed to pay, and according to reports, they have even agreed to deal with Timo Werner, deal worth about 200,000 pounds per week. Now, let's talk about this for a while. Timo Werner to Chelsea. Honestly, um, I think this is the best that could have happened uh, when it comes to transfer now for a transfer to be successful, um, it's not just about player desires to play or what the club desires from the player. It's also about where you are needed. Very important. Yeah, I've heard players say that uh, the reason why they moved to a particular club is because when they spoke to the manager, they discovered that he really wanted them. He had a, a, an assignment. He had a role for them to play. Uh, at that club so when we talk about now three play it was obvious that Timo Werner was going to be in the Premier League he was going to move to the Premier League 
I don't think there was any La Liga club that was really seriously in for Timo Werner and I don't think there was any Serie A club that was seriously in for Timo Werner. Uh, so it was going, it was if he was going to leave a Bayern Munich, if RB Leipzig at all, it was either going to be and Bayern Munich doesn't need him now because they've still got Robert Lewandowski for the next like one or two years. So the fact is, if Timo Werner was going to leave RB Leipzig, was going to move to the Premier League. Now three clubs, only three clubs were in for him in the Premier League, which was first Liverpool. Liverpool broke the ground on Timo Werner. That's the truth. They were the first to go in for him, and they were serious about it. Then Manchester United, they also need, need a striker. And then later Chelsea uh, joined up. But the fact is, if we're talking about out of these three teams, who actually needs Timo Werner? It's Chelsea. Because, yeah, Tammy Abraham have done very well this season, but he's probably the only striker that has done well this season. He can be the whole season on just one person. You need, it was obvious that Chelsea was the, out of those three teams, Chelsea was the one that needed a striker the most. Liverpool wanted, uh, so his versatility. I think, um, Jogging Klopp did not want to bring him to Anfield because he wanted to maybe bench Firmino for him or whatever. I think uh, John Klopp wanted him for his versatility. I mean, Timo Werner is the man that can operate behind the striker anyway. Can operate from the right, can operate from directly behind the striker, the creative role, he can operate from the left. He's all over the place on the field. And he can also operate at the top nine. If you need to be for it. I mean, who doesn't want a player like that? So I think that's the reason why uh, John Klopp wanted him. But if you look at the setup of Liverpool, the truth is jogging, uh, Liverpool never needed. Yeah, Jogging Club may have wanted him, but Liverpool never needed Timo Werner. They had Firmino, or they have Firmino. They've got Origi, who is acting as a good deputy, as a good backup for Firmino. So, I don't know where uh, the move of Timo Werner came in for Liverpool. As I said earlier, I understand Jogging Club needed that versatility. Someone could play almost all the roles. So, it, it could have been a good addition but then that's why it was because they didn't need him that's why they were not ready to pay the premium price for him they were not really in need like if he doesn't join there'll be a, a hole no it was just okay he, he's a welcome addition he will improve us we improve the team it's not like the team was really in their need for him and that was why they couldn't pay the premium price i mean for the reputation timo Werner has created for himself I think a 49 million pounds uh, release clause money is, is 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 a giveaway. I mean, we're talking about clubs. Victor Simen, Lille says Victor Simen, if he will leave, they have to pay. Any club that will buy Victor Simen has to pay or close to what Arsenal played for. For Pepe. And we know Arsenal paid for, for, is 74 for Pepe. So we're talking about Osimen leaving for about 60 to 65. Right now, you can't compare Werner to... Timo Werner, no, no offense to Sime. Sime is a brilliant striker, but he's just starting. Timo Werner has been consistent for a couple of seasons now in the German Bundesliga. He's a German international. So you can you can't compare a Timo Werner, what he has achieved, what he has been able to do consistently to a Victor Sime. And if a Victor Sime could if Lille could be asking for a, for 70 to 75 million pounds for Victor Sime, then um, Timo Werner is totally still uh, for 49. But then the fact is Liverpool didn't need him, so they were not able to the player they are not even sure would start. Why would they cough out? And that's why they were offering ridiculous amount like 25. Mm, that's quite ridiculous, but we will know. Then for Manchester United, Manchester United is one of the teams that actually need Werner. 
Well, maybe not. They okay. They want Vena. I'm not sure if they need him because I don't think they need another player like Vena at Manchester United. Uh, they were just okay. Maybe you can hurt. Uh, what, what am I talking about? Already, Manchester United has two players that are not exactly strikers. Yes, they can play as a striker, but they're not exactly out and out strikers. Yeah, uh, they've got Masha, who is probably better playing from the left. I'm not sure, but he's not an out and out striker like that. And they've got Rashford, who is also not an out and out striker. The first time out and out striker that they've got after Lukaku is Igalo. And we know Igalo is not going to start. So Manchester United honestly wanted an out and out striker. Someone that his job is nothing else than to strike. Timo Werner is not that person. Timo Werner is everywhere all around. In fact, for RB Leipzig, it's actually Patrick Schick that actually strikes most of the time. Timo Werner just moves around a lot. So Manchester United, well, did not really need him because they didn't want another Martial, another Rashford, someone that's can play everywhere. Rashford can play from the right, from the left. Masia can play from the right, from the left and strike. They didn't need another person that can do all that again. They needed someone who can do the striking job. That's what Manchester United needs right now. And that's why they are going for the likes of Belotti, Bosa Dembele, of, of Leon, of, obviously. Because they need someone who can, who his job is to strike, period. And that's what must have attracted them to Igalu. Uh, uh, so the fact is, Manchester United, yeah, they wanted him. I won't say Manchester United really needed him. And eventually, they decided... Uh, the fact is, information came in from insiders that once Manchester United signed Igalu, they were looking at not signing any other player this summer again, any other striker this summer again. They were going to focus on Jonathan Sancho, Jack Grealish, and Jude Bellingham. And if... God will have it, maybe Kai Havertz. But the fact is, they are not looking to sign a striker again this summer. So, I guess for next season at Manchester United, it's going to be Martial, it's going to be Rashford, probably Jadon Sancho, and Jack Grealish are bringing in the goals for Manchester United. Now, do you think that that combination will be enough to bring enough goals? You know, if you look at it, none of them will be an out-and-out striker except Igalu. Uh, do you think all this, maybe Jagrilish, Marcia Rashford, Jan Sancho, Greenwood back up, Igalo back up, do you think they'll be able to bring the kind of success Manchester United fans yearns for right now? Manchester United wants the Premier League. They've won other trophies. they won the Europa. They won after first Alex Ferguson. Uh, they've won the FA Cup after Ferguson. They've won the EFL Cup after Sir Alex Ferguson. I think the only trophy that has eluded them since Alex Ferguson retired has been the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, so, And the Champions League is a far, far cry. But the fact is, Manchester United still feel like we have not won anything after Ferguson because they've not won the EPL. The EPL was a regular trophy during Alex Ferguson Arena. So even though the only domestic trophy that has eluded Manchester United since Alex Ferguson's retirement is Premier League. It seems like all the trophies have eluded them because that is what they want. And honestly, well, maybe I should ask you, do you think this strike, this strike combination of Grealish, Sancho, Rashford, Martial, Igalo, Missing Greenwood can bring the Premier League next season, 2021, 2020-2021 season, can bring the Premier League to Old Trafford. Okay, well, but for Chelsea, I say congratulations to them. They're getting now. How does, I almost forgot, sorry. How does, um, how does uh, Timo Werner uh, fit into Chelsea? Well, as I said earlier, it's a beautiful fit um, because Chelsea right now, of course, Tammy cannot do it all alone. It was a very 
terrible thing when Tammy got injured for about one or two weeks uh, before the COVID-19 break. And there was almost no one that could fit in immediately. They brought in Bachai, Bachai messed it up. And eventually, Giroud started growing into the role before COVID-19 break hit. It's, uh, 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 it's a, a very disheartening thing that no one could step in immediately. So, and I, even Tamir Bram, it doesn't help him. Because we all know that competition brings the better in players. If you don't have competition, you, even if you play, have a bad game, you know you're still going to be selected the next game. You don't push yourself. Ronaldo said something that when I went to the La Liga, Ronaldo, uh, Messi and I pushed ourselves. That's the thing. If you have someone who is competing with you, you get the better out of yourself. You always aspire to do better. So even... Tammy Abraham just been comfortable as the first choice striker and the only striker, the only good striker. Let me put it that way. It doesn't help him to improve his game. But you know, when a Timo Werner comes in, then he knows he has to be on his, his toes. And Timo Werner, as I said, he can, you know, he can put anybody on the bench in that front position. It doesn't have to be Tammy Abraham. It could be Christian Pulisic on the left. Of course, no William and Pedro are most likely leaving. It could be who is supposed to come from the right? Okay, Akim Ziyech. Hmm. That would be difficult to put Akim Ziyech on the bench. But you know, Timo Werner generally, I think, is coming there to replace uh, Tammy Abraham. Unfortunately, I think Tammy Abraham's time of starting regularly for Chelsea may be over. Uh, I don't want it to be that way. I hope he can work something out. I hope he can give. Uh, Lampard uh, a reason uh, to actually, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, find a way to put in Werner into the team without displacing Abraham. I think I've said enough. Uh, I think this podcast has gone on for almost an hour. So I think I have to say my BYEs right now. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode of the podcast in their sports with Firmity. Of course, another episode will drop maybe before Monday. Uh, stay glued to all my social media platforms for the link to the next episode. On Twitter, it's at Akinshofemi. On Facebook, it's Akinshofemi. On, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's at OfficialFemiT. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time, bye.